Hello again and welcome to another episode of Just Another Mark, a wrestling podcast. Please keep in mind that there will be cussing on this show. So, if you protect your children from words, do not listen until they aren't around. Also, please keep in mind that the news I'm reporting on in each episode is sourced from around the internet and supposedly true at the time of my recording. Any personal input is just that, my own. And last but not least, remember that I am human. I'm talking for a long time and things will potentially be noisy around me and I may make noises as well. I'm going to try my best not to do it though. But please, forgive me if it happens. With that said, let's begin the three count. Good evening, guys and ghouls, and obviously, welcome to another episode of Just Another Mark, a wrestling podcast. My name is Rob, and I have quite the amount of shit to fucking talk to you about today. Remember, like I said in the intro, we are a cussing podcast. Well, I am, so lock your fucking kids up tight if you don't want to hear cussing. And, well, if you can't handle cussing, then what the fuck are you doing listening to my podcast? Either way, excuse me, remember, human, I can do that. We've got a lot to talk about today. Um, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, at least ten topics that we will be discussing today. And I'm going to finish with my Ramblin' Rob, as promised, on the WWE. And this one is going to be quite good. As uh, many people maybe know, I used to do a blog back in the day called State of the E. It's literally going to be that, but just me talking instead of writing. So, (laughs) um, on to the meat and potatoes of the podcast today. Um, As I'm recording this, it's May 23rd. So, this episode will be out today. Later on, after it gets edited and put onto all the necessary platforms. Um, May 23rd is a very unfortunate day in the world of professional wrestling because back in 1999, 20 years ago today actually, uh, the world of professional wrestling lost Owen Hart. Um, It was an extremely tragic accident that happened. He fell from the rafters of the arena they were in in Kansas City and uh, that's that's a long way down um essentially it was a stunt gone wrong the wire snapped well the 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 extension cord whatever they were using the cable snapped and he fell into the ring hit the post first fell into the ring and pretty much died at the hospital um A lot of people say that there was no bringing him back from even in the middle of the wrestling ring. So, needless to say, it was an extremely unfortunate accident. The the world, not just professional wrestling, but the whole world, I remember being insanely like, holy shit at this. I remember watching the pay-per-view live when it was happening, and I didn't know what was going on at the time because they cut away from the ring 
Uh, he was supposed to go up against, I think it was the good father at that time. I don't think he was a, a hoe magnate. I could be wrong. I don't remember if he was in Right to Censor yet or if he was still just the godfather. Somebody will correct me if I'm wrong on it, I'm sure. Either way, um, it was a very sad day, very sad event. And, and we shouldn't have lost Owen Hart so soon. There was no reason for it. And, um, you know, to this day, uh, I like to send my wishes out to the Hart family. And I'm sure everybody else that was touched or affected by Owen in their history of watching or being around or being in professional wrestling... You know, I'm sure everybody else still to this day, 20 years later, gives their heartfelt condolences to the Hart family. And um, on that note, I guess we have um, even more disheartening and sad news. It's come to light that Ashley Massaro, uh, the young lady that took her life last week, at the age of 39, almost 40, um, it, it was discovered that it was by suicide. So Ashley Massaro did hang herself, and <sighs> depression, depression's a motherfucker, man. I deal with it every day of my life. I'm on medication for it, and I get it. You know, there's there's a lots of ups, a lots of downs. And you could be in the best place ever one day, and then the next, boom, all fucking gone. And and you don't even know why. You know, it, she had just re she had just replied to over three hundred fan mail, you know, uh, things. Literally, boom, handwritten everything, sent them out, and then the next day committed suicide. So it's, it's hard. It's a real hard situation. And now, now we're finding out that, you know, a lot of the divas kind of knew that Ashley was raped when she was in the WWE. And there's not a lot that's coming up to surface on this yet. But apparently nobody made Vince aware of it. There's a lot of things going on. She had reported a bunch of concussion problems and had a lot of body issues and body damage. And again, as I said, the alleged rape that went down. Uh, it sucks that it took her to die by her own hand for people to actually talk about this bullshit. You know, she's known to have had drug problems, which she went to the WWE um, the WWE facility for that, you know, what was provided by the WWE for drug rehabilitation. She went to that. That's, that's something that she did not discredit the WWE for, but she has always discredited the WWE for how they took care of concussions and how they took care of their wrestlers. You know, this is a real hot topic among the world of professional wrestling. You know, you got to take care of your wrestlers. Yeah, there's another person that's waiting in the wings to do this. But, you know, as the generations go on, much like with a lot of other things, you know, wrestling has to evolve. Wrestling has to change. And just like I said last week about Silver King, he didn't need to die in that ring. 
Somebody should have fucking been trained on how to save that man at least just a bit so he could make it to a fucking hospital and live. Silver King did not need to die. That ref, Hooventude, somebody should have known something. In all their years of fucking professional wrestling, they could have helped. He shouldn't have been in that ring if he wasn't capable of being in that ring. There should have been doctors. There should have been something on hand. You know, the WWE is good with that type of shit. They saved Jerry Lawler, if you guys all remember him, with him having a heart attack live on air. But what what's coming to light about Ashley Massaro is disgusting. And it should not go down without consequence. If this is the way that the women were treated and potentially still could be treated, you know, somebody's got to open up their fucking mouth. This culture of not talking is ridiculous. You know, I'm an advocate for for mental health. Everything. I, too, understand what it's like to go through these issues. Granted, I've never been raped or anything like that. But on that mental line of not wanting to talk and not wanting to burden anybody with my problems, fuck that. You got to get over at least that hump. If you can get over that hump, then, then, then there's some hope. But if you can't, then something has to give. I, I don't know what. But you can't just stay in yourself all the time. That's not a good thing. Um, on that note, I guess I'll, I'll change the subject. We got a couple quick fire things before we get into, you know, the raw recap and the SmackDown recap and all that shit. It looks like it froze. Oh, hey, it's going. Sorry. Hey, there's that live shit. I'm not editing that out, by the way. <laughs> um, so the quick fire things I have to discuss today is pretty much, you know, the bigger things that are going on in the, the world of wrestling. It's not just going to be maligned to the WWE or anything like that. So Ruby Riot went and had a successful surgery on lingering ailments. She's got another one set to happen. So, you know, congrats to Ruby for having a successful surgery. Kevin Owens and multiple other stars are refusing to go to Saudi Arabia for the upcoming tour, you know, including um, the Super Showdown event that's going to be today. Again, as I'm recording this, it's May 23rd. So... Uh, that's that's a controversy for a whole other day. I'll probably touch on it today when I do my uh, Ramblin' Rob thing. So, needless to say, yeah, we have a few people that aren't willing to go, including like Sami Zayn, John Cena, obviously not. You know, But the biggest thing about that show is, for the first time ever, we're going to be seeing Undertaker versus Goldberg. Now, granted, 10 years ago, this would probably have been a fucking amazing match, I'm not too sure about how good it's going to be, <laughs> you know, seeing it. But, um, of course, I'll have a review of that event after it happens, 
you know, um, within the context of everything here. Also, um, you know, speaking of that, this past Sunday was Money in the Bank, and I'm just going to kind of, you know, glaze over the event. I'm not going to give spoilers, or I'm not going to give a review of the full event. Um, just the kind of biggest things that happened, um, and it's not necessarily going to be in order either. You know, Seth Rollins did beat AJ Styles to retain the Universal Championship in a fantastically amazing match. If you haven't seen it, please do yourself the favor and watch that. They haven't wrestled each other in years, and it was absolutely fucking gorgeous. They tore the house down, and um, Kevin Owens and um, Kofi Kingston also had a truly great match. It was it was pretty slow to start, but in the in the end, it had the fans you know going pretty pretty good, and. Bailey won the women's Money in the Bank match. Then later on that night, <clears throat> in turn, when Charlotte was going against Becky Lynch, um, you know, uh, what the hell's her name? The other blonde, Lacey Evans from Raw. She came to interfere, ending up costing Becky the SmackDown Women's Championship. And. Right after that, um, it became Charlotte versus Bailey, and Bailey won the SmackDown Women's Championship off of Charlotte. So, in the span of two minutes, you know, three of the four horsewomen were SmackDown Women's Champion. You had Becky Lynch, then going to Charlotte, then going to Bailey. So, that's pretty goddamn cool. <sighs> Yawning. Goddamn. I'm tired, Bob. <laughs> so that was an awesome thing then the men's money in the bank ladder match completely killed it very awesome match very well put together so whoever the producers were that did that it was it was awesome the big shock that came out of it was that Brock Lesnar made his return became the eighth man in the money in the bank ladder match and Destroyed a couple cameramen on his way into the ring and also injured Mustafa Ali. And then um, proceeded to win the Money in the Bank match. So now we have, as they've been coining him, Beast in the Bank. Yeah, that's that's fun. So Brock Lesnar is the Beast in the Bank. <laughs> um, there you go. That's, that's, that's something, right? Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling sold out Dominion in three days. Three days. Now, in the time of, you know, AEW selling out in four minutes, that doesn't sound like a huge thing. But in Japan, for New Japan, three days is extremely phenomenal. They sold out the entire event basically based on... Kazuchika Okada versus Chris Jericho for the New Japan Pro Wrestling or the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Holy shit. Um, that's going to be one hell of a show. Can't wait to watch it. Um, not going to get here quick enough. So that's going to be pretty goddamn fantastic. Um, there's also going to be a couple more matches obviously announced for the show as time gets closer. 
and we'll be doing a prediction for that as well when it comes. So the next thing on here, and also pretty much the last you know rapid fire thing, is Pac or Pack or however you want to pronounce it has come to terms with AEW. Basically, what happened was he was supposed to go up against Hangman Page this weekend, this Saturday, at AEW's Double or Nothing. And he was going to beat Hangman Page to essentially go on and feud with Kenny Omega. Um, and they were supposedly going to trade victories back and forth with each other for a little bit of time. Pac, or Pac, however you pronounce it, did not like that idea because he is currently the Open the Dream Gate champion over in Dragon Gate. Now, a lot of you guys don't know necessarily what Dragon Gate is. It's it's essentially, you know, um, New Japan, but kind of like for a more niche audience. If you like the really hard Purisu wrestling, then then Dragon Gate is really going to be for you. They do have flash and flare and pomp and circumstance, but that that real tight, that real um, that real close professional wrestling is definitely there in Dragon Gate. I've I've liked that promotion for quite some time. And hey, I don't blame Pac for taking the championship seriously. So, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily look at it as a backstage hissy fit. I don't look at it as him being Austin Aries level when it comes to shit like that. I do think that he was being very protective of his, of his image. You know, because for, for the most part, most of you know that he was Neville in the WWE. And he kind of got shitted on in the WWE. Hey, there's my air conditioner. He kind of got shitted on in the WWE. And he, he's, again, now that he's back in Dragon Gate, his home and everything, he's taking wins and losses very seriously. So, I mean, if that's the route he wanted to take then that's the route he wanted to take. But also in that, you know, AEW flew Hangman Page out to Nottingham, England this past Saturday and did have that match go down. So to AEW's credit, they did pay Pac, Pac. They they paid Hangman for his time. They flew Hangman out there. They had a 15-minute match. It went to a draw. Well, not draw, but disqualification. Pack or Pac, then beat up Hangman Page afterwards using the chair, doing this, doing that, and and created a disqualification angle. So that way when he, he let's just say, so that way when he's not as serious about his wins and losses, then it left the door open for AEW and a potential, you know, contract renegotiation or something with them. And... It left the potential for him to come back with that that group. So, you know, good on them for filming that and doing that and then releasing it for free on the um, AEW All Elite Wrestling YouTube channel. So this was the second match in AEW history. The first one had SoCal Uncensored, 
going up a group going up against a group of people from Oriental wrestling a couple weeks ago. So that was also a fantastic match. Now, um, <clears throat> real quick, I will give you my predictions for AEW's Double or Nothing. Um, we we have pretty much all of the matches ready to go, except for whoever Hangman Page is going up against now at the pay-per-view. So I'm going to give a quick prediction, you know, do all that, and then we're going to go with it. So it's going to be only a couple minutes long. I'm going to try to get through it as fast as possible. So bear with me on it. Um, on the pre-show, we're going to have Kip Sabin versus Sammy Guevara. I believe Sammy's going to win it because if you... The pre-show is also called the buy-in, by the way. This is, this is double or nothing. It's taking place at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. So, of course, it's going to be called the buy-in. I believe Sammy's going to win. Um, he's been featured very heavily on um, being the elite. So, I, I, I mean, it probably it's probably going to be Kip that wins, but I'm really hoping Sammy wins. Um, then you have the 21-man Casino Battle Royale for the future AEW world title shot. The Battle Royale is going to start with five men. Every three minutes, a new wave of five men enter. Lucky number 21 will enter last battle royale. Entry numbers uh, picked at later date. So basically, if you're watching Being the Elite, they're going around giving people cards or letting them pick their cards. And whatever number they're picking, that's the entrance they're, they're going to be in with that suit. So if they pick a 10 of clubs, I that's that's just where they're going to be at. Um... I'm looking to see how many people are in it. Joey Janela, Jimmy Havoc, Jungle Boy are in it so far. Sean Spears, um, MJF is in it, and a few other people. So I, I'm, I don't know. I'm just going to go with MJF at this one. Uh, then you have Asia Kong, Yuka Sakazaki, and Emi Sakura versus Hikaru Shida, Ryo, and Ryo Miza, Mizunami. I'm going to go with... I'm looking at them. I really like Hikaru Shida, Ryo, and Ryo Mizunami to win that one. Um, then you have SoCal Uncensored versus the Stronghearts. I think Sima and his crew are going to win that. So, there you go. Or Chima, or whatever. Then you have Britt Baker versus Natalia Rose versus Ky mm, Kylie Ray. I, or not Natalia Rose, Nyla Rose. I, I, I hope they don't kind of go with the Nyla Rose thing. I understand she's a transgender, she's breaking barriers and all that. I think to give it to her would kind of be like, eh, whatever. Um, I think Britt Breaker should win that one, personally. Um, then you have the best friends, Chucky and... Uh, oh my god, what the hell is his name? Chucky T and the other one, whatever. Versus Angelico and Jack Evans. Um... I think Angelico and Jack Evans is going to win that one. Um, 
Yeah. I don't know. Maybe uh, Trent Beretta. That's his name. Jesus Christ. Wow. Uh, I, I think. I think Chucky e. T and Beretta. I don't know, man. Because I, I don't want to say that everybody that's being featured on being the elite are gonna win, you know, because that that to me just kind of takes away from the event. So I'm I'm gonna go with Angelico versus Jack Evans for the win on that one. Then. <laughs> Shit. You have Cody versus Dustin, which is brother versus brother, which is going to be pretty fucking amazing. I do have the feeling that Cody's going to beat his brother because it was all about taking out the Attitude Era when they were talking. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I think Cody's going to win. I don't want I don't want Cody to win, but I think he's going to uh, simply because... He's kind of, like, had the back burner when it comes to the feuds. So, there you go. Uh, I, then you have the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers, the AAA World Tag Team Championship match. Currently, the Young Bucks are the champions. I think that they're probably going to pull it out on this one. I think the Bucks are going to win. Um, and then there'll be something later on down the line between them. Um, then you have Hangman Page, still in a match, but now we don't know who it's against. And then you have Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. Oh boy, I think Jericho's going to win this. I don't think Omega's winning. It would be kind of stupid for Omega to win, because he is one of the people in charge, along with the Bucks and Cody. So, if Cody's going to win, and the Bucks are going to win, then, then Omega has to be the one to lose. Hopefully, it's not, you know, the good old boys winning the pay-per-view matches and all that. But, we'll see. This is the first, um, the first AEW event. <sighs> so, hoping that, hoping that things go good. <laughs> um, then we have, now, now we have the... <laughs> Raw recap and the SmackDown recap. I'm going to be honest with you here. This is going to probably take up a lot less time than it should because I fell asleep during Raw this week. Yep. Fell asleep for a good hour and a half of the show. Didn't care. Couldn't, couldn't be bothered to care. Nothing about the show was good. Brock Lesnar came out with Paul Heyman at the beginning. They talked a whole bunch of shit about the money in the bank. Um, and Brock Lesnar having the briefcase. Then, you know, a whole bunch of stupid shit happened in the show. A lot of matches that really didn't have any consequence happened. Baron Corbin continues his win streak, which, you know, is really smart booking. Um, then the whole angle of the show on Monday was... Brock Lesnar's staying in the arena for the whole night. He's he, Kofi Kingston was there. Seth Rollins was there. Who's Brock Lesnar going to go after? You know, because Kofi and Seth have a match at the end of the night. And and you never know if Brock Lesnar's going to come out and, 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 and do something with his Money in the Bank briefcase. You better watch. You better fucking watch this garbage shit. Either way, 
Um, at the end of the show, Brock Lesnar came out, jumped onto the ring, apron, and then jumped down and left the arena. Yep. Leaving Kofi and Seth in the middle of the ring. Looking like idiots. That's raw. Three hours. Three motherfucking hours. <sighs> then over on SmackDown, we saw the return of Big E to television. He he was just there. Um, a lot of funny moments happened within that. Um, and the biggest thing that happened on SmackDown was... Dolph Ziggler made his return after six months of being away. The last time we saw him was the Royal Rumble. So, Dolph Ziggler made his return on SmackDown. And that's pretty much... That's that's <laughs> that's honestly it. I mean, we didn't really have anything from the Firefly Funhouse this week. They kind of ignored that. We had a... We had a um, I guess you could say, like recap of the things that happened in Firefly Funhouse that's that's pretty much it so yeah woohoo um other than that Smackdown and Raw were completely fucking booty holes and and that's gonna that's gonna honestly bring me to if I'm not mistaken, oh no, nope, we got the old school pay-per-view of the week. We're going to be taking a look at Backlash 2009. So, let me pull that up real quick and look at the match card. And I will tell you what the matches were. And we will take a look at the impact of that pay-per-view. And we'll see uh, what it was all about. Backlash 2009 was a professional wrestling pay-per-view event produced by World Wrestling Entertainment. It took place on April 26, 2009 at the Dunkin' Donut Center in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, it was the 11th event under the Backlash banner. It involved talent from all three WWE brands, Raw, SmackDown, and at the time, ECW was a thing. The final Backlash event um, until 2016. So there you have that bit of information. The attendance there was 8,357 for the pay-per-view. The next pay-per-view was going to be Judgment Day that year. Um, the match comprised seven matches. The main event saw Edge uh, defeating World Heavyweight Champion John Cena in a last-man-standing match to win the title, and Randy Orton winning the WWE Championship in a six-man tag team match pitting champion Triple H, Batista, and Shane McMahon against The Legacy, which were Randy Orton, Cody Rhodes, and Ted DiBiase. The card also included Jeff Hardy defeating Matt Hardy in an I Quit match, Christian uh, winning the ECW championship by defeating Jack Swagger, and Chris Jericho and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat going one-on-one, -on -one, which is one of my favorite matches. So... The event received 182,000 buys, down from the previous event figure of 200,000 buys. So 2008 had 200,000 buys, 2009 had 182,000 buys. So, needless to say, it was a really good event. Um, 
I enjoyed 2009's Backlash. And, oh, <laughs> wow, I'm sitting here looking at the match card. The, the matches were very, very fun because the pre-show, the dark match, I guess you could say, was Kofi Kingston against Dolph Ziggler. Who would have fucking thought in 2009, excuse me, in April of 2009, tw- one, 10 years later, I'm sorry, 10 years later, almost uh, almost 10 years later, we would be seeing Kofi Kingston and Dolph Ziggler again going at it against each other, this time for the WWE Championship. This is This is pretty cool, man. Like, I like to see things like this. You know... The the Saudi show's taking place on June seventh. And again, like I said, this was April of two thousand nine, so literally ten years, man. Kofi defeated Dolph Ziggler in a singles match and the dark match. Then the first match of the main card, Christian defeated Jack Swagger, as I get, as I said earlier for the ECW championship in eleven minutes and one second. Then Chris Jericho defeated Ricky the Dragon Steamboat by submission in a singles match at 12 minutes and 32 seconds. Really good match. Both of these matches so far have been at least four stars. Kane defeated CM Punk in a singles match uh, in 9 minutes and 25 seconds. It was a Kane match in 2009, so what are you going to think about that there? Um, Jeff Hardy defeated Matt Hardy in an I Quit match at 19 minutes and 8 seconds. Again, not the best. You would think that those two would play very well against each other, but it wasn't wasn't the best. I mean, it wasn't horrible by any stretch of the imagination, but it was pretty good. Um, Santina Morella defeated Beth Phoenix with Rosa Mendez in a singles match for the title of Miss WrestleMania in three seconds. Yep. Legacy, which was Cody Rhodes, Randy Orton, and Teddy DiBiase, defeated Batista, uh, Shane McMahon, and Triple H. It was a six-man tag team match for the WWE Championship. If Triple H or any member of his team had gotten disqualified, counted out, pinned, or submitted, Orton would win the WWE Championship. Now, why didn't they just give him the fucking championship at WrestleMania? That All those stipulations to this day... I think that was one of the biggest fucking travesties was not giving Randy Orton the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 25. Letting Triple H's ego at that time um, override Randy Orton's phenomenal story that they had going just for him to keep the championship. Whatever. So they gave it to him a month later at Backlash. Whatever again. Then Edge defeated John Cena, last man standing match for the World Heavyweight Championship at 28 minutes and 26 seconds. The last match was 22 minutes and 50 seconds, just in case I didn't say it. So, needless to say, the pay-per-view in total was at least a four-star pay-per-view. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And, you know, you really couldn't have asked for a better grouping of matches with the talent that was involved in that show um i i I loved it it was really good and i hope that people go on to the wwe network wow the wwe network and um check it out because 
it was, in my opinion, one of the better ones from 2009, honestly. Um, sorry, getting things together here. Okay. Now, we are going on to the final segment of the day. Woo, 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 woo. Alright, I'm, I'm, I'm torn because I, I don't want to go 9 million minutes with this because the current state of the WWE is pretty fucking horrible. <sighs> we all know that just by watching every week or reading the reports or listening to Talking Heads on the radio or watching talking heads on whatever podcast we listen to or live show you listen to WWE is in a really fucking bad spot when it comes to um I'm not going to say the money aspect because the money aspect is fucking great for the WWE right now the social media aspect for the WWE is great right now the content that they produce you know, uh, reaches far and wide, much more farther and wider than many people can even fathom, okay? It is the number one social media um, sports league, I guess you could say. Over almost 2 billion people, if not 2 billion people, follow the WWE. There's almost 8 billion people in the world. Um... The NFL, I think, is closest to the WWE, or it may be basketball. I'm not quite sure. But nobody has as many followers on Facebook as the WWE does. That is, excuse me, huge and fucking gargantuan, okay? But that does not translate to what's happening in the shows. It doesn't translate to the house attendance. It doesn't translate to network executives being pissed at what you're fucking producing okay you take away all the fantastical elements about professional wrestling and you strip it to literally just i'm a dude that's going against a dude because this dude made me feel like i'm not the type of dude that i should be dude that's literally what you have going for you when it comes to stories. And if you want to flip it to the women, literally just take out the word dude and put in dudette. Because that's all they do. There's no crazy characters except for Bray Wyatt. Okay, Bray Wyatt is the shining example right now of crazy characters. And let's face it. We don't know how this new Firefly, Demon, uh, whatever version of Bray Wyatt's going to do in the WWE once they release him upon the world. Okay, we've seen the backstage vignettes. Everything was good, but come on, let's see what the fuck happened to Becky Lynch. Let's see what happened to Kofi Kingston. They were the hottest things going into WrestleMania. And now nobody could give a fuck. So you see the juxtaposition there. You know, is it because of writing? Is it because of people not caring? What is it? What's the problem with the WWE at its core? I think the problem with it at its core... Oh, 
you know, the 24-7 championship was just unveiled on Monday. Granted, I completely forgot to fucking talk about it in my Raw recap. You know why? Because who cares? Ultimately, yes, it's going to get the mid-carters on TV. It's going to get them something else to do. But at the same time, it's going to make them look fucking retarded. Okay? And I'm not meaning that in the derogatory way or whatever. So it's it's going to just be bad all around. You're going to have a bunch of grown men scrambling just like you did on Monday. Okay? For this this little piece of gold that's not even gold. It's stupid. It's dumb. And if they continue to do it this way, you're bringing your audience even further down. Okay? It's bad. It's... WWE programming right now is probably the worst it's ever been. And I'm a survivor of the 90s. Okay? I'm a survivor of the post-Hogan era, um, post-steroid era, going into the Bret Hart and the Shawn Michaels and them trying to make Diesel a thing and, you know, 1995, 94, 96, yeah, they had a couple good matches, they had some good storylines, but ultimately in 97, 98, they really started picking up pace. And I shit all over the Attitude Era a lot. I do, because it was a flash in the pan, it only lasted five years, but numbers don't lie. When it comes to men's soap operas, when it comes to people wanting to escape reality, the Attitude Era was the perfect blend of our society at that time. Not to mention what the WWE story writers are capable of doing if they actually put their fucking mind to something and do it. What we have in front of us right now in the world of of um, WWE is nothingness, okay? They, they have nothing for us. It's bad. It's really bad. They don't take any time for stories. They don't take any time to develop up-and-comers. It's just... They throw shit against a fucking wall, and if it doesn't stick, then the next week they throw something else against the wall to see if it does. They're scrambling to get ratings. They're scrambling to make the Fox bosses proud, because every week SmackDown gets lower and lower in the ratings. Okay, They're moving to Fox in October. Do you really think Fox wants a failing fucking show to come on their big network, especially, especially when AEW is going to be debuting for TNT in October. Are you fucking kidding me? They want the WWE to have something of sustenance, something that matters, and nothing fucking matters. I could not watch Raw for three weeks, okay? Go to the next fucking pay-per-view, on the WWE Network for $9.99 a month. And guess what? The recap will tell me every goddamn thing I need to know. Because they recap it. Every 10 minutes. 
okay? You don't even need to watch WWE programming except for the pay-per-views or the live events or whatever the hell you want to call them, the network specials. I don't care. You don't need to watch 369, 12, 15, 20, 22, 24, 26 hours worth of content a month, okay? You've got Raw, you've got, that's three hours, you've got SmackDown at two hours, you've got 205 Live, you've got NXT, NXT UK, you've got so many shows on a weekly basis, so that's three, five, six, seven, eight hours of professional wrestling every week put out by the WWE, okay? Not to mention, I don't even know if they still do main event or if they do anything like that, I, I doubt they do, but, um... You've got a lot of hours of WWE programming every week that they put out. That's not a bad thing because there's something for everybody. But when your top shows, Raw and SmackDown, don't bring the same type of enthusiasm as NXT or NXT UK does, there's something wrong. Because those are supposed to be the quote-unquote B show, uh, the, the C shows and D shows, they're supposed to be the lower tier, okay? When you got those shows selling out arenas and doing big numbers and, you know, having phenomenal wrestling matches and compelling storylines, but your two main shows don't... <coughs> Sorry, there's something wrong. I mean... What does it say? Because Triple H is in charge of NXT, NXT UK, and 205 Live. Vince McMahon's in charge of Raw and SmackDown. I don't know what that tells you, but it tells me that uh, we may need to see some change in the guard soon because if this is the way that it's going to keep going, you're going to lose even more fans. And that's not what the WWE needs. It's not what they want. It's not what they should want. So, with that being said, until next week, I remain a guy being a dude. This has been another episode of Just Another Mark, a wrestling podcast. See you later, bitches. Enjoy the rest of your day.